Well, I'm teaching you tonight on the miracle of answered prayer. Miracle of answered prayer. And um, I want to go to a few scriptures for the foundation. And then I'm going to give you a couple of key practical things to do. How many of you would like to see some results? None of us signed up just for ethereal mysticism. We, we need God and we need him now. And um, he's designed this thing called prayer. And, you know, he hasn't made it complex. It's not formulaic. It's not difficult. In fact, prayer is God's statement of, hey, I want to connect with you. I want to interact with you. I want you to speak with me about your things. And I want to speak to you about my things. I want to have a divine interchange with people. I made you in my image, male and female. I created you for a purpose, and I want a fellowship with you, and I want you to have breakthrough. I want you to get results in your life. He desires a, and has designed that we be fruitful. So here's a verse I want to start out with. Uh, I'll go with James chapter 1, uh, chapter 5, actually, about Elijah. Elijah was a bold, strong lion of a man, and God used him. He also got intimidated and insecure a couple of times. He, he got despondent one day, and God brought him through it. And it says, Elijah, it says in chapter 5, verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. That means he was a human being with a personality, with flesh, had to sleep so many hours a day, had to drink so much water, put his toga on uh, both legs at a time, just like everybody else. That was funny. Thank you for smiling. I have to tell you when to laugh, but she smiled, so I'm going to keep preaching to her. Um, he prayed. Look, he was, he, he, had, he was a human being, and he, he prayed earnestly. He prayed uh, earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So he got results in his prayer life. And it says um, in verse 15 that the prayer offered in faith will have a great effect. It will restore the sick. It will raise them up. If they've committed any sins, they'll be forgiven them. And um, the, it says, therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So... The crime of the century is not unanswered prayer, it's unoffered prayer, or it's prayer that gets blocked by, like, for example, unconfessed sin, or other blessing blockers, or bad teaching, where we're ill-informed and we really don't know some of the steps we're to take. But this tells us that the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So it can be ineffective. There's another verse in Matthew that talks about meaningless rep repetition. Um, so if there's meaningless repetition, then there can be meaningful repetition. If there's ineffective prayer, effective prayer, then there's ineffective prayer. So we need to navigate through the word of God and see what the Lord's saying to us. So then go over to John chapter 15 and verse 7. And this is all about abiding in the Lord and connecting with him. If we abide in him and, and fellowship with him and connect with him, there's, there's going to be fruit. And it says in verse 7 that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's a powerful truth. 
And abiding in him is the prerequisite. In James, it, it's, we have to make sure we don't have any unconfessed sin in our lives. So let's just right now, this is, this is a week before Easter, let's just humble ourselves. And uh, in case there's anything in the way, let's just get it out of the way. Just close your eyes with me. Lord, we just open up to you. And like David said, forgive us our presumptuous sins. And we, we the, you know, there. He also said, my sin is ever before me. We also know that we're not to be overly sin conscious, but we're not to be negligent with this. So, Lord, help us to grant us repentance. Help us to keep a good, quick, thorough, repentant attitude going forward in our lives. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So today, Lord, we receive your mercy. We receive your forgiveness. We humble ourselves before you, and we submit to you. Forgive us our wayward tendencies, our attitudes, bad actions, bad thoughts, words. Help us, Lord. We receive your grace, and we thank you for you. You are the one who blots out our transgressions for your own sake, and you'll remember our sins no more. Who's glad for that? Jesus' name. Amen. So on with the message. Jeremiah 29. Uh, this is when I was talking to a guy on the phone today, a friend of mine for many, many decades now, and I prayed for him, and God helped me to pray for him. And we were talking about the Babylonian captivity that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, their lifespan was stuck in that moment. It's amazing that some, someone so highly prophetic as Daniel and such substance of the book of Daniel would come out of that terrible moment. So in case you think your moment is so terrible, um, I want to tell you a lot of great moves of the Holy Spirit have emanated out of terrible moments in human history. And in the case of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there was a lot of craziness. There was legislated craziness. A king got up and built a statue because he was so egotistical. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. He said, look, if you don't bow to the statue, you're going to be thrown in a furnace of fire. And uh, the displaced Hebrews had been admonished through Moses by the Holy Spirit to not have any gods before him and not bow to any idols, right? First two commandments. Say, hey, no way, Jose. They weren't defiant. They were submitted, but they weren't going to be subservient to that. The, the law of the land, they would obey until it disobeyed and violated God's law. And they said, I'm not, we're not going to bow to your idol, and, and God will deliver us. And even if he didn't deliver us, we wouldn't bow. And... Um, and, and they, were, they weren't saying maybe God, maybe he will or maybe he won't deliver us. They were confident he would deliver them, and he did. Famous story of, of being thrown in the furnace, and they didn't have the smell of smoke. You guys read that? Later on in chapter 6, Daniel got thrown into a lion's den, and the lions that were hungry, angels shut their mouths, and God delivered him. So God, he's the same God, and he will faithfully watch over his people, right? And in that context of that 70 years of Babylonian captivity, Jeremiah the prophet, who is very tender, he was different personality-wise from Elijah, 
He was the weeping prophet. He, he could be real strong, but he, he cried a lot. And um, two different kinds of guys, and, um, but same Holy Spirit. And he said, um, he said in verse 7, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for it, its welfare you, for in its welfare, you will have welfare. So they're admonished not to curse and condemn and shame the atmosphere around them. They're responsible as people standing in the gap to pray and speak for the welfare and trust, seek God for the welfare of the, of the city and that that would boomerang onto them as well. Um, and then... Uh, it says down here in verse, then these false prophets were saying it was going to be a quick fix and everything's going to be fine. And Jeremiah said, actually, no, it's going to be 70 years. And he said in verse 10, thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. So everybody say the long haul. Uh, he said, for I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord. Plans for what? Welfare and not calamity to give you what? A future and a hope. Out of the morbidity of the moment and even the false prophesyings of the false words, um, this, the correct word of the Lord came to these guys and it was very hopeful. It was going to not be a, a quick uh, shortcut but it was going to be good. And in the meantime, everybody say in the meantime. meantime. During the meantime, it was a meantime for Daniel. And yet he had a revelation of, of the one, uh, uh, the ancient of days in his throne, the hair like wool, eyes like fire, feet like brass. You know, he got the word for the end times. You're going to see Daniel's words. Some of them haven't even been completely fulfilled yet. And uh, a, a bonanza of revelation. And crystal clear insights came in a very harsh context. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. He, knows, he knew the plans he had for the people that were in, the, in this uh, moment. The book of Matthew defines this moment in the genealogies. In case you skip over the genealogies, um, it, it, it talked about this generation as the generation of the deportation. They were the generation of the deportation, displaced, disrupted, but, but not forgotten by the Lord. And God had his eye upon them, and God had a purpose for them. And so when we read this in this historical context for them, we know that that God is our God, and we can uh, biblically, correctly embrace this verse for our generation, for as it was in ancient Israel for the deportation, so it is for modern times church and for you as an individual that if God knew the plans he had for them, you know he knows the plans he has for you. Because he's no respecter of persons. He guides us with his eye upon, upon us and he is faithful to a thousand generations. These guys saw how faithful God was in that time, and these guys had a, an admonition to seek for the welfare and the blessing 
uh, on the city so that there would be a blessing on the city and it would be on them as well. So that's what God has called us to be, the light of the world, not the condemning voice of the world or the cursing of the world. We're to bless. We're to believe God for great things. And uh, it says, then you will call, verse 12, you will call upon me. Now it goes into prayer. And this is, I'm talking about the miracle of answered prayer. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. See, he says, don't listen to the false prophets. Don't get bitter. Don't curse and condemn. Don't get all freaked out. Don't wring your hands because I have plans for welfare. It's going to be a while, but you're going to see amazing things fostered and come to pass. Plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. The spirit of prayer gets on this when you see things correctly. You see things biblically. You see things prophetically. You want to pray. You want to trust God. You don't want to just sit there and just pacify yourself and comfort eat and be distracted and just be amused and stay entertained chronically. You want to get up there and say, God, you have such great plans. And since you do, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to call upon you and I'm going to pray to you and you will listen to me. And you and he says in verse 13, and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Wow. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. So be it. Be it unto me according to your word, is what Mary said. And uh, so that's what we're saying tonight as thinking Christians in a in a rather dark, kind of dreary moment in in human history, we're just going to trust God. And in, you know, the famous slot of Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 25, boy, it's such a beautiful statement from Jesus. He goes into Jerusalem and he uses a fig tree as an example. He curses it and it dries up from the roots up. And he's trying to urge his disciples to be brave and be bold and trust God. And he says in chapter 11, verse 22, have faith in God. And then he says in the next verse that whoever says to this mountain, be removed or be taken up and cast into the sea. and does not doubt in his or her heart, but believes that what he or she says will happen. It will be granted him. And then the next verse is a compelling, oh, I love this verse. Everybody say, pray, Pray. believe, Believe. receive. Receive. This is a model statement right here. He says says in chapter 11, verse 24, and therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you've received them, and they will be granted you. There's something about praying in faith, praying in confidence, taking hold of the promises of God, and I'm going to lay out some simple steps for you to help you out to help you get answered prayer. And then the next verse, 25, is so important for us today. He says, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. See, we're to be careful that lest a root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and by it many be defiled. Bitterness is a, is a dangerous toxin. And we've got to make sure we run from it. We don't hide from it. We don't ignore it. But we deal adequately with it. 
And we don't carry a root of bitterness. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, abusive speech and malice be put away from you. Chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, it says, As dear children, as beloved by God, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love. Walk in love is not sissy, it's not namby-pamby, it's not candy-coated, it's not Ned Flanders on The Simpsons. It's, it's so powerful and so important, it'll keep you from being stupid in situations where you get tempted. It'll help you to have restraint because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, and the deeds of the flesh are sudden outbursts of anger. And the Bible says be angry, but sin not. And the only way to harness that is to walk in love. And if we walk in love, we're going to be at our best in our prayer life. So now if you're a note taker, uh, I would write this down and I'd re-preach this to your friends. Number one, have faith in God. Number two, speak to your mountains. Number three, pray, believe, and receive. And number four, forgive. I'm going to test you on this. You got to be, I'm a speed preacher. You got to be a speed writer. Have faith in God, number one. Number two, speak to your mountains. Mountains be removed and cast into the sea. Mountain of fear, mountain of insecurity, back off. Get out of here. Number three, pray, believe, receive. Now, this is where I'm going to land tonight just for a few moments. And then in everything, we've got to walk in love and be forgiving. Now, learning how to be effective in prayer is one of the most important things we, Jesus followers, will ever learn. Jesus had a marvelous life of prayer. He often slipped away and he prayed. And, um, of course, we know Daniel got in trouble for praying. There was a legal technicality, and these evil princes, satraps, uh, snuck up and watched, and Daniel continued to pray when he was told not to pray, and he prayed anyway. And then they went to the king, and the king actually... Had, had favor toward Daniel. And uh, this wasn't even a Nebuchadnezzar at this point. This was Darius. This was another king. And in Daniel, there were a number of kings and regimes. And uh, I talked to somebody who studied the Hebrew history and said it's possible during that time period in Daniel's lifespan, there could have been as many as 12 different leaders. And they were like Mussolini, Hitler, and that kind of bunch, okay? So you think it was it ideal for Daniel? No. They threw him into have him be eaten by lions. That's evil. And yet, these Hebrew uh, God lovers thrived because God had a plan for them. God was downloading some stuff in Daniel that was going to impact you and me. And um, so our life of prayer needs to be built on the word of God. And I heard an example. We just came through March Madness, you know, where Kansas beat North Carolina by what? How many points? Three points. And uh, it, it was, you know, I think just a history-making game, you know, and it was fun. And, and then, um, oh, a couple decades ago, there was, we, there was actually an NFL football team here in town, and they won the, something called the Super Bowl. And it was a tight game, and it was just a matter of just a, a pass to Isaac Bruce and then a tackle at just right by the goal, and it was tight. And they're both ball games, 
but one is basketball and one is football. One is oblong and you throw it, uh, and, and one is round and you pass it, and, uh, and it would be uh, uh, crazy if you tried to put basketball rules into a football game. If you saw uh, Marshall Falk, you know, uh, <laughs> dribbling. Try to dribble a football. <laughs> Try to throw the basketball in a spiral. I guess it's always a spiral. But anyway, um, with, there, are, there's, there are prayers of consecration and commitment, dedication. There are prayers where we, if you fa- like you're facing a new job or you're praying about who to marry, you, you, you don't say, God, I pray for that one and I see that one. That's your will for me to marry that one. Well, they may not like you. And they don't want to marry you, so just quit saying, thus saith the Lord, I'm supposed to marry you. It's like, no, if they don't love, if they're not attracted to you, get out, get, get out of their get out of their hair, you're being weird. That's not faith, that's presumption. But 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 I but I'll tell you what, you're going through a sickness battle and you say, God, I I find in the word that he bore my sins and he carried my sicknesses. That in every village Jesus healed all manner of sickness and disease. And that you're not a withholder and God that by Jesus stripes I am healed is actually something that you did in the atonement. You bore our sins, you carried our diseases. And so I, I, I don't even have to ask you if it's your will to heal me. I know it's your will to heal me. I don't have to ask you if it's your will for souls to be saved because you desire no one to perish but all to come to eternal life. So God, I pray for a ton of souls in these upcoming days in our generation. We pray the nations come to the brightness of his shining. We pray for revival in the church and a harvest amongst the lost. And I don't say if it be thy will or for Jesus' sake. No, I'm Jesus' name, I'm believing God for that. I see somebody get depressed. I don't go, oh Lord, if it's your will for them to stay depressed, we'll just, you know, whatever. No, no, the devil's oppressing. Maybe there's some chemical imbalance. Maybe your hormones have gone off. Maybe you've been brutalized by life and you're dealing with something or you've been discouraged. Uh, And I I just rebuke the devil over you in the name of Jesus. Right? So we learn these principles and uh, it'll help us going forward to see uh, really great results. And, And... So God wants you to receive answers to your prayers with more consistency. And so if you're writing notes, again, I'm gonna, I'll try to not talk too fast, but number one, um, be specific. Be specific. Take a look at your problem, then find Bible promises correspondent to your needs. Take a look at your problem, say, You've got a child that's drifted off, and you reread the story of the prodigal son, and you say, God, give him, grant him repentance. He came to his senses. Give him, bring him into their senses, he or she. That famous verse, pray the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers. How many of you have ever prayed that? Boy, I'll tell you, and I, I believe our church body, we might be legs to those prayers. In fact, I know we, sh- we, we are to be, so... So in, in other church bodies, in other places, like you may have somebody, a friend in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Well, we're not a church in Albuquerque, New Mexico, but God knows people that are there that will be obedient and responsive. Lord, send forth laborers, and maybe somebody's got a job in Albuquerque or a suburb, and you, and you pray, Father, send laborers to cross his or her path. 
and help them to have a credible time and a credible word. I remember there was a lady named Wanda. She had a daughter-in-law in Texas and of, of prominence and wealth, but not saved. And they were in the line at the grocery store. And uh, she had, she realized when she opened up her purse, not only did she not have any cash in there, she didn't have her bank card or credit card. Somehow that was all left at home or something, and so she didn't have what she needed. She had a couple hundred bucks worth of groceries, so it was about, you know, one bag right there in the corner. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so she had already, the, the checker had already scanned everything and it was bagged up and then she went, oh! So then she was going out to her car and she was all panicky. So she came back in and uh, she said, oh, that, that, that's already been paid for. Excuse me? Yeah, it was paid for by the guy that was behind you. And he said to tell you that Jesus loves you. And uh, that, that it, what it did is it renewed her hope in mankind and that kind of thing. But, but more specifically, uh, the family had been praying that there'd be a credible witness that would impact her life. And even though she was wealthy, didn't ever, she never needed anything. And it was actually humbling to her. You know, the guy felt led by the Holy Spirit to, to, to just pay for it. And uh, isn't that great? And that's answer to prayer. So, you know, we need to be specific. God, I, I pray you send laborers to cross their path. And I pray, you know, I, I read a story about a lady whose son had alcohol problems. And uh, she, uh, she was in bed asleep and she woke up, had a burden for her son. And um, she began to pray for him. 11.30, 12 o'clock, 12.30, prayed for him to be delivered from temptation. And she even had an impression about him. He came home and uh, he went to bed and he got up the next morning and he said, Mom, um, I had a wonderful experience. I got tempted to go into the bar and I was going to go get drunk and I, I couldn't get through the door. So something just, I just felt, I tried to get in through the door, I just couldn't get in there, and, and Mom, I, I got delivered. She said, what time was it? He said, 11.30, 12 o'clock. She said, she, t- she said, well, the Lord woke me up and had me pray for you. How about that? How about that? And, pray, and Jesus taught us to pray that we would be delivered from temptation. And no temptation that comes upon us, you, you know, we can't say when we're tempted, we're tempted by God because he doesn't tempt us with evil. Temptation comes when we yield to our flesh and then we take action on it. And he was getting tempted to do that. And God prompted this intercessor, this mom, to pray and come against that and get, tell the temp- tempter to get off the guy. And he had a breakthrough. How about that? How about that? We pray for people, man. We pray for people. But we need to be effective and we need to be specific. And um, we decide what we want from God and we make sure it's scriptural and we make sure it's biblical and we find promises in context um, before we rush to, you know, lunge into a prayer. So many times we're indefinite about our request and um, we need to sometimes take a few minutes just to kind of just, you know, figure out what we what we're, what we're really believing God for. You know, 
my wife and I are understanding of this. We know that if two of us agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it'll be done for them by my Father who's in heaven. So we need to be in agreement. Amos says, how could two walk together except they be agreed? It says in Peter, it says about husbands with wives, treat them as fellow heirs of the grace of life and regard and hold them in high regard as a weaker vessel. And it says, um, uh, so that your prayers aren't hindered. So that your prayers aren't hindered. That's an incentive to keep harmony in your household. So you don't have this amazing feature of life. The power of prayer gets stifled, right? God wants our prayers. The fervent, heartfelt prayer of a righteous person makes power available, dynamic, and it's working. So when you pray, you believe you receive. But it's imperative that what we pray about be uh, appropriate and correspondent with the word of God. Then we know, see, the, the, the Bible is the written will of God. We want to know God's will. The Bible is, is, the, is the will of God. So it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's his will that we be evangelistic. It's his will that we be missional, that we pray for the nations. We're to be a house of prayer for the nations. But also in a local church setting, we're to weep with those who weep and we're to support each other. And that's the big deal that God wants in a local church for us to understand the macro and the micro, the, 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 the immediate close, the, the intermediate range, and then the long range, and, um, and, and really understand that as we fellowship with God, he's going to help us with our, our specifics. He's going to, in fact, I, I want you to go to Romans because this is so profound. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Everybody say, be specific. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. Did you see that? So I was talking to this friend, and he began to express, he was on his way to a funeral, and he's beginning to express some of the stuff he was going through, and I wanted to pray for him. And I listened to him. And then I cut loose, and the Holy Spirit helped me. He said, I wish I had recorded this, because everything, every scripture I've been recently standing on concerning this problem, you just prayed out. And I, and, and, you know, I just get, gave Jesus, I mean, I was just so thankful, the Holy Spirit, I could, and, I, and I was able to track with the Holy Spirit, and that's not elitist, that's not just for some, that's not just because I'm a pastor, it's because... Uh, you can develop in these things and get sensitive to the voice of the Spirit. We're all to know the Master's voice, right? And God wants us to pray effectively and even pray prophetically. So he says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit does. He knows. And he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because Look, he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. That verse 28 gets quoted constantly by saints who are grateful for that promise. But it's actually in the context of prayer and of the Holy Spirit helping us. The Holy Spirit can help you and me to be specific. So we don't go out and pray, and pray things out and set ourselves up for frustration. And in fact, I'm going to just tell you, early in my Christian walk, 
I got my sights on something that I thought might be the Lord's will. And actually, if you want to know the truth, it looked like an escape thing for me. It was like, this is probably God getting me out of this pressure I'm in. So I got ready to pray this particular thing out, and the Lord kept saying to me, don't ask, don't ask, don't talk about it. And I would pace, I was pacing and praying, and I would pace, and the Lord would say, that, and this Holy, this Holy Spirit that knows the mind of God and knows the plan of God, don't even ask it, don't even ask it. And so then I, I violated that, and I asked it, and I tell you, it just it sowed confusion into my spirit. And I, what I did is I prayed something that really wasn't mandated by the Lord. It was something that I, you know, I wasn't, it really wasn't for me. But I thought I, I wanted that. And, 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 and I'm grateful to say I've, I've matured and grown up a lot. And that, that, that I, I've learned to follow the witness of the Spirit. And actually, just take a little bit of time. Now, how, how do we pray about this? Sometimes I've had some things that are so weird. I just, and it's like... How do we approach this? Or what we're believing God for? When, you know, where do you want us to land as a local church, for example, in the physical footprint where we put down our roots and develop facilities and grow as a church? That, after five years or so of, of, of pastoring this church, that was the season that we were in. This is where God led us. But I had to look at so many different places and drive into so many different scenarios and look at so many different buildings. And, um, but yet I kept saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. I prayed the prayer of committal, and I said, God, this, I stood on, James, on Joshua chapter 1. God, every place on which the sole of my feet tread, you've given it to me. So I'm, I'm tre I've, tread, I've been treading on a lot of places, but I want you to order my steps to the right place. And he says, the steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. And if anybody lacks wisdom, we're to ask God, right? So um, we need to be specific. We, we don't just get vague. Uh, we, we, get, we find a scripture that we're standing on and believing for. And so everybody say, be specific. Stand on God's promises. Number two, you must actually ask God for what you want. Bible says you have not because you ask not or you ask amiss to consume it on your own desires. So we've got to have a good attitude and a right heart. But the second step in answered prayer is we ask the Father, get this, in the name of Jesus. This is a revelation to me as a young Christian. It, this helped me out so much. John chapter 16, verse 23 through 24. Let's go to John chapter 16. And I'm going to read in the New American Standard. You could read in your translation. The King James says, And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say to you, whatsoever things you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Wow. Isn't that great? So we ask the Father in the name of Jesus. So if you ever eavesdrop on my prayer life, I'm addressing the Father in the name of Jesus, and I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to sort it out and guide me. And I'm going to the Word, and I'm standing on the promises of God. Father, in Jesus' name, you said, and this is inspired by the Holy Spirit, this right here. And so now, 
in this case, I'm trusting you for this particular breakthrough. And um, everybody say, we ask the Father in Jesus' name. And, and, you know, certainly God knows what we need before we ask, but then he says, ask. And uh, I already quoted it to you, but I love Matthew 7. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. It, it, it echoes Jeremiah, doesn't it? Where he says, then you'll call upon me, and I'll answer you. You know, I'll say, here I am. Um, that's, to me, the best part of prayer life, by the way, is that we actually have audience with the creator of the universe. And that we're actually, it's not a performance. We're not like doing something like to appease God, like, okay, am I doing this right? Now I get some results. It's like, no, Father. Like it says in Matthew 6, 6, go into your closet, close the door, pray to your Father who sees in secret, and the God who sees you in secret will reward you openly. You could pray about your kids. You could pray about the economy. You could pray about your, uh, your, uh, all this identity theft. You could come against that, and you could take a stand and tell the devil to back off of your deal. I talked to somebody whose mother got snared by one of these con artists on the Internet and got her credit cards all worked up. You can speak wisdom over your family where they go, wait a minute, let me buy a little time on that. I remember diamond mines in Liberia. You give $5,000. I, I remember a letter somebody got from a prince in Nigeria that you needed, there was $13 million, but you got to send $10,000 to him to get it released out of the bank. You know, and I watched, I was aghast at how these guys were actually buying into it. I said, I don't have a witness in my spirit. You know, it doesn't take rocket science at a certain point, but some people are still being snared, but we could pray for wisdom. You pray for wisdom on the unsuspecting, and God will quicken them and deliver them from con. There's so much con artistry out there, and the Holy Spirit will help you to be delivered from con artistry. I've seen people, I've, it's important you pray for wisdom. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray so much wisdom is poured out in this place right now. Discernment, right? If it's too good to be true, then it probably isn't. And the manipulators are slick. They break you down, and you can be led by the Holy Spirit. I did not plan on sharing that. That was not in my notes, but that's a warning for somebody. You be careful. And if, it, if they're trying to manipulate you, um, rebuke the heck out of them. Hallelujah. <laughs> in love. In love. Um. Last point, I've got, there are a lot of points, but the number one, be, be specific, be specific. Number two, um, pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Everybody say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I stand on your word. There's a book called The Terror at Tenerife, and it was a plane crash on the Canary Islands. And uh, a man survived it, and what he said the whole time he was getting up and getting out of the plane when people were being consumed by flames and the debris and the plane was falling apart and screaming and death. And he crawled out of the top of the fuselage. He was out of shape and he, he pulled his body out. And I'm certain he had some adrenaline rushing, but that was an extra gallon or so that the Lord gave him. 
So he gets all the glory for it. And he said, Father, in Jesus' name, I stand on your word. That's what he kept saying. That when I, so I was reading this book before I was married. I read that and I thought, that's a pretty good pattern. Father, in Jesus' name, I stand on your word. That was a good sneeze over there. It was a healthy sneeze. In the key of C, I think it was, wasn't it? Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I stand on your word. That's a good thing to, as a pattern to get in your thinking. No, it's not formulaic. Yes, it is what Jesus taught. Ask the Father in the name of Jesus and make sure it's biblical. And don't be impulsive or compulsive about it. Lastly, uh, we need to guard our minds and uh, not be negative. We don't want to negate what we're presenting before the Lord. We want to go in with a spirit of faith and uh, affirm that... uh, we, we, we're trusting God for what we've asked for. So what I do is when I pray a prayer of faith, then I, from then on, I thank God that he heard my prayer and I thank God for the, for the manifestation. So between the time I've asked and the time it manifests, I'm not repeating myself over and over again because I've made that statement and that stand of faith now, when it comes to praying over my meal, because I eat different food every day, I've been all over, I've been in, I've been third world countries, I've, I've eaten my own cooking, you know I'm going to pray. You better pray if you eat your own cooking, you better pray over that for more. Go heat it back up. And, um, but yeah, we need to watch out. And um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says that we're to cast down every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So um, it's, it repeats something like that in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 um, talks about rejoicing and praying, and then it talks about meditation. In chapter 4, verse 8, it tells us eight things we're to get our minds on uh, in order to get victory going forward in prayer. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything. And it says, whatever is true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is of good repute, King James says good report. If there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things, think on these things, ponder these things, be positive in your thinking. Stay, uh, keep the switch of faith turned on and be bold and be positive and say, Father, I thank you. We are not going to cave in to fear. We're not going to cave into despair. We're not going to get in murmuring. We're not going to be murmuring and complaining and griping. We're going to be praising you and thanking you. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, our brain, our minds get, we start thinking on wrong things and it creates defeatism in our lives. And so in order to receive answered prayer, you got to decide specifically what you're believing God for. Like my wife said to me, hey, can you get in agreement with me? And I was like, you know, and then I, so, and so I knew where she was coming from. So I didn't go, I didn't get flipping and go, oh yeah, amen. You know, it's like, no, this is a big deal. Let's get tuned in. Let's get dialed in. And so we got sober and serious about it, sober-minded for the purposes of prayer. I was thinking about what she was saying. I said, okay. And I, I've even bought time, haven't I? We, you, sometimes you just need to buy time. In order to not 
set yourself up for defeat in your prayer life. You, you got to fellowship with the Lord and find out from the Holy Spirit if where you're going with your request is in fact right for you. Because, uh, and then as, if you, you, you see that it's biblical, you sense in your spirit it's right. See, when I was praying in that room and the Lord told me not to ask for this, it wasn't inherently bad. It was actually a great opportunity. It just wasn't God's will. And God didn't want me to even release my faith for it because, and once I did, it was a soulish prayer and it created it confusion in my spirit because I went against what God was prompting me on. So I, I you know, everybody say we're learning lessons. We learn <laughs> we learn when we do the right thing and we learn we learn from our mistakes, don't we? We'd rather learn from the person's mistakes next to us, right? Well, you're learning from my mistakes, so don't do it. And just everybody say be specific. Ask the Father in Jesus name. And guard your mind. Let's all stand up on our feet. We're going to finish with prayer. Hallelujah. I want you to pray for the people around you for breakthrough, for abundance, for healing, for the presence of the Lord to come into their lives. And just, I want you to take a deep breath and, and take turns praying for each other. You guys good with this? Yeah, I mean, you might be a new, new person. You might, uh, so the, the, that guy, it's his new, that's Olivia, that's Ethan. And your, your dad's name's Jeff. And your name is Ethan. Ethan, meet Ethan. I want you guys to pray for each other. Stand up and pray for Ethan, Ethan. And uh, we're praying about uh, David Carter to get the right wife, right? Because there's many, many, many out there, but he wants to get the right one. In Jesus' name, your will be done, the right person. The count of three, start praying for one another. Hallelujah. Your will be done in each person's life. Breakthrough in each person's life, Lord. Abundance, blessing, supernatural help, supernatural hope, supernatural joy. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.